0: Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guests navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love, one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my first reflection episode for the Truer Love Stories podcast. These reflection episodes are basically going to be mini episodes where I reflect on things that have come up since our last full episode with a guest. And the idea for these Kind of came up because I've been getting so much great feedback and takeaways uh, and questions from listeners after each episode, which then inspires me to think more deeply into different concepts that have come up. And I was actually sharing some of these ideas and thoughts with my husband, and he was like well, why don't you record them as, you know, these mini episodes? So thank you, husband, uh, for that great idea. It's very nice to be married to someone who's innovative. And here I am recording them for you now. So to recap, our last episode was with a guest who shared that she wanted to break her pattern of dating people, who she called fixer uppers. Essentially, partners who seem like they have most of the quality she's looking for But when it comes down to it, they aren't quite ready to commit to a quote unquote real relationship or full partnership. They're not all in. And so we discussed this pattern in the context of her anxious attachment style because she had mentioned that she stays with people longer than maybe is good for her or longer than her intuition knows she should, meaning that her intuition would often tell her that something was off early on, but she'd continue dating these people, thinking that if she'd just adjust something in her behavior, they'd come around. You know That somehow it was in her power to fix them. So one of the things I kind of pointed out to her and that a listener thanked me for was how low feelings of self-worth can really be a barrier to moving on when our intuition knows that we should. So I really loved that this listener commented on it because this to me was the takeaway of the episode. Because looking back on my past relationships, I know that I stayed in them because I didn't believe at the time that I could find someone better or more aligned or who treated me better and who appreciated me more and even though my friends always said that I deserved more I didn't really believe that for myself at the time and I know that was all subconscious right because if you had asked me consciously I would say yeah of course I deserve something like this of course I I want a committed partner. Of course, I want someone who thinks I'm amazing. But subconsciously, I didn't believe I deserved that. And that all had to do with my anxious attachment style. So I really want to be able to help you believe it for yourself and to find ways to heighten those low self-worth beliefs of yours so you can start coming from a higher self-worth place. So I want to break it down a little bit. I know some of you have been following me for a while and have heard so much about how core wounds are formed and you're just like, okay, Taryn, we get it. Let's move on. But for those of you who maybe aren't as familiar with how attachment you know, styles are formed or how they work, I want to just give you the very brief basics of it again right here because it's really relevant to this feeling of worth. So when we have a specifically either anxious attachment style or a fearful avoidant, attachment style, aka disorganized attachment is sometimes how they're known, our sense of self-worth is at the center of everything we feel because that is our core wound. So basically, insecure attachment styles are those who have some kind of discomfort around giving or receiving love and who find it painful to be vulnerable. Okay, because a secure type is someone who is comfortable both giving and receiving love and learned that vulnerability was safe. So when we have an insecure type, that means that for some reason we're not comfortable giving or receiving that love and or it doesn't come easy for us. And that's because of this core wound, which secure types don't have core wounds. Okay, so how this core wound forms, especially for again, anxious or fearful avoidant types, is that likely your primary caregiver, or you know, maybe a bit later in life where you had another significant relationship of sorts, you got the message that being vulnerable and sharing your needs wasn't safe. whatever reason and so for these types who sometimes have a parent who's inconsistently available meaning sometimes they're available and sometimes they're not you got the message that you're unworthy of love and attention because maybe you expressed yourself in some way and it was rejected or shamed or the person ignored you. And again, that person could be your primary caregiver or another significant relationship. Basically, up until your 20s is when you're being shaped and molded. And it happened consistently enough that it has a strong initial impact and it becomes the subconscious belief. And this is really key that it's subconscious. And I know I've said it already, but I'm gonna drill it home because it's not equivalent to your conscious level of confidence, right? And Again, this was always a big disconnect for me when people talked about the concept of worth because consciously I felt worthy. Consciously, I felt like I knew what I deserved, but when it came down to it, both in my dating life and in my other relationships, it was so important to me not to be rejected by people AKA, it was so important to me to be validated. I didn't realize that's what it was at the time, but I was actually looking for validation because of that low self-worth core wound that I ignored my intuition and made excuses for these people, which kept me stuck or attached in relationships that weren't good for me. And this is something I still have to work through. And I'll give you a recent example. And this example is not related to romantic love because I think that sometimes getting an example of something that's not exactly what we're going through helps us to see it more objectively and to understand it better. So my husband and I legally got married this past January, but due to the pandemic, we're having a wedding this coming November. And this past week, After much thought and debate, we decided to fire our wedding coordinator and replace her with a new one because she was super disorganized and her communication made me feel absolutely insane. Uh, But part of that was because she was triggering me because she was being really, really avoidant with me. And as an anxious person, avoidance sets me off right? Because it makes me feel like I'm being rejected and it like pokes at that core wound of mine. And so here's a great example of how attachment styles are malleable, right? Because I may feel more secure in my relationship with my husband and even with my friends and family, but other relationships like this one can still trigger that same cord wound of mine. And so I knew I was being triggered because my reaction was extreme in relation to the situation, right? So every time I got an email or a text from her or didn't get an email and a text from her because she wouldn't respond to me, I would become infuriated, like full body infuriation, heat. I can't think of anything else. You know, I, I literally would talk to my husband about it all day long. I couldn't let it go. All our conversations that day would revolve around it. And some nights actually, I couldn't sleep Because I was telling her off in my mind. So not healthy, right? Not where you want to be in, especially around your wedding. But I point this out because this is the preoccupation that we talk about. When we become totally obsessed with someone, we can't let it go, right? And so specifically in the context of my wedding coordinator, there was a power dynamic situation. There were like a few things that were setting me off. But this power dynamic didn't sit well with me since I was the paying client. So that put me in a feeling of low self-worth, right? Because I expected that if I'm paying you, you will respond to me and you will help me deal with my questions. And she wasn't doing it. And she would only respond on her timeline and when it felt good for her. And so that alone was poking at that feeling of low self-worth for me because it felt like I wasn't deserving of getting my needs met. And that was the most important thing, right? That is the trigger for us insecure types is that if we don't feel like we're getting our needs met, we subconsciously believe it's due to our low self-worth and that makes us reactive and upset. We take things personally. And so when we're in relationships with people where we're not getting those needs met and our needs are being ignored, it basically only serves to reinforce those feelings of low self-worth, right? So this is kind of where the intuitive piece comes in. Essentially, I like to think of this reaction, of this trigger, as my intuition telling me that I don't feel safe in a certain situation or relationship. Now, here's the thing I want to pause and say about intuition, okay? It gets a little tricky here because intuition in and of itself is a neutral feeling and a neutral voice, It's not scary, it's just information. And information itself doesn't carry emotion. But what happens is our intuition tells us something, and then we take that information and place meaning on it, which is what gives us the emotions around it and can lead us to feeling triggered. So in my observations and experience, when we're in a triggered state, It's because we are reacting to the intuitive information that we either don't want to hear or aren't ready for. And so my intense reaction in this situation with my coordinator was my core wound reacting to the information that this person wasn't the right coordinator for me, right? She wasn't receptive to me in the way that I needed, and my intuition knew that wasn't right, but I didn't want to know that information Because then I would have to deal with addressing it with her. And so it was triggering me. Whereas, you know, a totally secure person might have been able to chalk her ignoring them up to being busy, which she is and is the truth. Or to her just being not good at her job, which personally I think is also true. You know, and maybe they would be able to decide whether or not to work with her based on their intuitive information about it from a more, you know, deactivated state, right? They might not have to obsess about it every day and they might not lose sleep over it. They just get the information and are able to say, okay, this is how I feel about it. For me, it was triggering, right? I was taking it personally and I was adding all these different layers to it because I didn't know how to get my needs met with her because I didn't feel comfortable expressing myself in the situation. And so, you know, I point this out because intuition is such an important piece It's the first piece. It's the little tick we get, that little nagging feeling like Caroline Miss, the author and speaker and coach. She so beautifully says that intuition is this nagging sensation, kind of like when you have a to-do list and you know you have stuff you have to take care of, right? Like we don't feel emotional over that. We might start feeling stressed when we know we haven't done it, but that's the judgment we're placing on ourselves. That's not the information itself. The information itself is you need to take care of this. And so while I wanted to end things with my coordinator months ago, right? When we know that someone isn't right for us, our intuition keeps telling us, but the insecure attachment type inside makes us stay because we don't think we're worthy of leaving. And so for me, what I kept doing was I was telling myself that I was being overly sensitive and maybe I was making a too big a deal about it, you know, and all the things we start to tell ourselves when we feel like maybe we're being irrational or not giving things enough of a chance, right? So I thought, I'll just keep going with it, you know? Her dad actually sadly passed away suddenly right after we signed our contract with her. And so, you know, I didn't want to be an asshole. (laughs) I wanted to be sensitive to that and maybe give her the benefit of the doubt that maybe, okay, that's why you're scattered. That's why you're not responding as well, you know? But as the months went by and it lingered on, And nothing changed and I continued to feel irritated and I started worrying that I would be feeling this way on my wedding day or leading up to my wedding and after all the shit that's going on in the world right now, and let me tell you, organizing a wedding during COVID is not that fun because you never know if it's actually going to happen, but all that added stress on top of something that's already stressful, did I really need to endure someone who was going to stress me out? You know? But the idea of letting her go was so paralyzing to me because I was really afraid of her response, her reaction. Namely, that she would be so upset that she'd sabotage my wedding, you know? Because she was my coordinator, but she was also the point of contact at my venue. So even if I got another coordinator, she'd still be involved in my wedding to a certain degree. And as the gatekeeper of the venue, she had a certain level of power, right? And so my fear was that being honest with her and letting her go, She would be reactive and she would sabotage my wedding. And so these fears were keeping me in this holding pattern, you know, or that I was being insensitive because her dad died. All these things, I was making these excuses and I didn't want to act on this intuitive feeling that I shouldn't be working with her. And so I had a choice, right? I could either stay working with her and be miserable and stressed out, but in doing so possibly avoid the potential that firing her would create even more conflict, right? Or... I could take the risk that she'd be upset, but step into my worth in knowing that I deserved to be treated better and that I wanted more from someone I was paying to be my wedding coordinator. And let me tell you, this choice had been in the background of my mind for about six months, but it was really in the past three weeks that it had gotten so big and that I just, I couldn't take it anymore. And I was just like in that preoccupied state about it, like constantly. So last week... I did not know what to do, and I kept trying to see which way the universe was pointing me. And suddenly, you know, she had said some things that pissed me off, and so I had ignored her. I started being avoidant, right? I just didn't want to deal with it. I needed time to think. And suddenly, she started emailing me and following up on things that she had dropped months ago. Like, she was trying way harder than normal, you know? And I think it's because she could sense that something was wrong, right? And so so that started happening, and, and I didn't respond right away like I normally would. I, I felt the desire, like this anxious desire to respond, but I knew I wasn't ready. And so I didn't respond. And then last week, I went to my doctor's, and she asked how I was doing. And I don't see my primary care doctor that often. We don't have that deep of a relationship, but something in me started telling her about my coordinator, And we launched into this whole discussion about her wedding and how her flower person was totally disorganized as well. And it drove her crazy in the same way. But her flower person pulled through in the end. And it was beautiful. And it worked out. And it was interesting to me because this is something that a lot of people kept saying to me. Even my husband were saying, like, you know, this coordinator of ours, she's obviously in the industry. She's obviously been able to have jobs and pull them off. It'll probably be fine in the end. And so I, you know, I wondered, is this random conversation with my doctor the universe's way of telling me that I should stick with my wedding coordinator? Like, you know, I could have easily interpreted it that way, right? But this is where I think we get lost sometimes in kind of discerning the universe's messages. Because, I don't know, I think that the universe is kind of like if you ever do tarot or pull cards, right? I don't think that it's psychic. I don't think the cards themselves are telling us our future, but I think they're tools for accessing our intuition, for whatever they stir in us, right? So the universe will send us signs, but those signs are more to see how we intuitively react to them. The signs don't have the meaning in and of themselves, that's my thought process anyway. I mean, this is a really interesting subject and and I'm happy to, you know, extend this discussion with people who want to, but this is my thought process on it, right? And in the same way, I believe that the universe sends us tests. And this is an idea that I'd heard for several years, but it really got driven home for me when I started doing Lacey Phillips' uh, manifestation school to be magnetic, where basically she's all about teaching us to manifest through neuroplasticity and reprogramming those limiting beliefs that we developed early in childhood or earlier in our life that, again, are subconscious. And so our attachment styles are very connected to this, right? Because that is one of those limiting beliefs that we believed so often it created that neural pathway in our brain. So we just automatically think it without even realizing we are right? That's what makes it subconscious. So in Lacey's program, basically she has a three-part formula for manifesting. And I know I've been talking about this a lot lately. So again, I know I'm repeating this for some people, but I think it's really important and it's really fascinating. You know, I think there's a lot of truth to this. So her three-part formula is basically she believes to manifest anything. You first have to unblock your shadows, right? Like that's the inner child work. That's the attachment work. That's Noticing our limiting beliefs, that's dealing with the things that are, you know, keep coming up for us and that are hard that we don't want to see. So that's the first part. The second part is expanding our subconscious, meaning if all of the things that we manifest, which is what Lacey believes comes from this place of self-worth and from our subconscious, right? Then our subconscious has to believe it's possible. We can't just like example when I was dating, right? And I consciously thought I deserved more, but subconsciously I didn't believe it. So I wasn't attracting it. That's the key is this subconscious piece. And so if we don't believe something's possible, we're not going to be able to create it for ourselves, right? So expanders are important because they are people who have something that we want that we don't already have. But by seeing that they have it, they tell our subconscious it's possible. And so that's what expands our subconscious, right? And helps us start believing it's actually true. So that's the second part of her formula. And the third part is tests. And tests are really interesting because she believes that tests are really what determine what level of self-worth you hold for yourself. Because a test will tempt you to choose something that puts you in feelings of lower self-worth like it used to. And by you saying no to the test, you will prove to the universe that your sense of worth has been lifted And that's how Lacey says you really manifest, is that you become magnetic because you know your true worth. And so I realized that my coordinator suddenly showing up to do her job and my doctor giving me, you know, these convincing reasons to stay with her were my tests because ultimately my coordinator put me in feelings of low self worth. And, you know, by not responding to me and by not taking my needs seriously, she was reinforcing that I wasn't worthy of being attended to. And intuitively, I knew that I was never going to feel safe or worthy around her. I knew that getting a new coordinator who was able to work on my terms, since I'm the paying client, and would be able to respond to me in a timely manner that I felt comfortable with and actually take my needs seriously, that that would put me in feelings of higher self-worth. And I could literally feel the difference in those vibrations when I thought about it. And that's ultimately what made me make this decision. Another way to say it is that my coordinator made me feel small and constricted. And the thought of this new coordinator I had interviewed made me feel big and expansive. And my friend Casey Berglund, who has an amazing TED Talk, I I believe her TED Talk's called Let Your Body Lead. You could just put in her name too um but she shares in her talk how she learned from a teacher in India that the universe has only two energies either contraction or expansion so something's either going to make you contract or it's going to make you expand and i knew that my coordinator was making me contract and i knew that my new coordinator was making me feel like i could expand like i was deserving to have someone take care of me on my wedding day so This past week, we did it, and we sent her a very concise email explaining that we didn't think she was a good fit for us, and we got some expected resistance from her. She was angry at first, but I also think that this was a test because it was poking at my guilt, right? And it was making me feel bad and making me think like, oh, you know, that feeling of should we be doing this? But luckily, my husband handled it and sent her a reply. And she came back being very nice and saying that she was sad it didn't work out, but she just wanted us to be happy. (sighs) And let me tell you, I have never felt more free. I mean, maybe I've left some jobs before where I felt really free too, but this burden has been lifted from me and I feel lighter and I can already feel so much more joy and inspiration and creativity coming through from this choice because I stepped into my worth and the universe rewarded me for it by helping things work out well and she's not going to be the barrier i was afraid of because that's what our attachment does is it makes us afraid of the worst and it's not black and white like that right it's not this is good and this is bad there's gray in between and we figure it out so as you can see becoming secure is a process and you know people are always asking me how do i fix my attachment style how do i become more secure It's not something that happens overnight, and it's likely something that you'll always be working towards if you have an insecure attachment style. But as I like to say, each situation that we're in is an opportunity to choose a more secure way of being and to step into our worth. And so I really want you to start paying attention to your intuition, because that is the first piece. As I mentioned in the last episode, our intuition knows our worth and is rooting for us. And it wants our highest self to come through. So I want you to really pay attention to what makes you feel expansive and what makes you contract. What makes you feel big and what makes you feel small. And to notice when you're being tested and when you can take a chance and step more into your words. So I'm curious to know how this goes for you. So please feel free to email me or message me on Instagram. If you don't follow me yet, you can find me at the handle underscore love underscore. And of course, if you're looking for support in this process of understanding your own attachment style and you would like more guidance and creating more security in your own relationships, hit me up. I offer a free strategy session where we'll sit down and create an action plan for specifically what that would look like for you to get on your way to more secure relationships. And those can be done in a single session or with my six session package where you'd get a discount on my services and a bit more of hands-on support. So I hope this reflection episode spoke to you and keep an eye out for more reflections in the coming weeks because I'm going to have them, I'm sure. (laughs) So... Thank you so much for listening. Keep expanding and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast. If you'd like to share your personal love story and have me coach you on air, please email me at hello at truerlove.com. And if you enjoyed listening to today's episode, your support would mean so much to me. Please make sure to subscribe on Spotify, as well as follow me on Instagram at underscore truerlove underscore. You can also join my mailing list and book a free love guidance consultation with me at truerlove.com. In the meantime, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon.